Welcome to a new episode of this podcast series by the Program in International Nutrition at Cornell University, or as we call it, the PIN podcast. In this series, trainees in PIN interview leaders and rising stars in the field of international nutrition and global health. Today on the podcast, our special guest um, is Dr. Sarah Cusick. Um, an interviewer include myself. My name is Christy, and I'm a PhD student here at Cornell, as well as one other PIN student. Hi, I am Elizabeth. Great. Uh, so as I said before, our special guest today is Dr. Sarah Cusick. Dr. Cusick is an associate professor of pediatrics in the School of Medicine at the University of Minnesota. Her research focuses on international maternal and child nutrition, the interaction between nutritional deficiencies and infectious disease, and the effect of this interaction on child health and long-term cognitive development. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Cusick. Thank you so much for being with us here today. Great. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you. To start us off, we would love to hear about your career trajectory from like knowing that you wanting you wanted to pursue international nutrition at Johns Hopkins University and then knowing like what field you wanted to focus your research on. Uh, we'll be very interested to hear that. Okay, sure. Yeah, you know, to be honest, it it, it I I didn't have uh, I think often trajectories aren't exactly planned or clear in some ways. Um, but I, I did, um, I'll start at the very beginning. I actually started medical school right out of college. And um, I had done a research program at the medical school the summer before I started medical school. And I loved it. I loved the research component of it. It wasn't nutrition yet, um, but it was asthma and, and, um, and children with sickle cell disease. And it was just sort of the, the public health component of it was really interesting to me. And then I started medical school and I really didn't like it. And so, um, and I, I, you'll hear, I've done this probably at least twice in big ways in my trajectory is like, I think it's important to know what you don't like as much as it is what you do like. And so don't be afraid to try something. Um, you can always back out of it. So I got out of medical school. I tried to figure out what I really wanted to do. Um, I had been a French major in, in high school, and high school, in college, and so, and always very interested in public health. Um, so I started um, the program in, in global health at um, Johns Hopkins School of Public Health. And um, to be honest, I was visiting the school, and um, the person who was leading me around said, oh, what track in global health or in international health are you interested in? And I didn't know the tracks. And they handed me a sheet of paper and I just skimmed it. And I was like human nutrition or vaccine development, human nutrition policy. I was just skimming down and I said, oh, human nutrition. And so that's how it started. I mean, I'd always been interested in cooking and food and nutrition and health, but it was really in that moment that it, it solidified for me. And um, I very much enjoyed graduate school. Um, my advisor at Hopkins was Dr. Rebecca Stoltzfus, who then went on to Cornell halfway through my, my um, program at Hopkins, but remained my advisor. Um, and I had a great opportunity in, in, in graduate school to be part of the PEMBA study, which was um, a large randomized trial of iron supplementation in malaria endemic PEMBA Island, and really was the first main study that brought this interaction between malaria and, and, and iron or infection and iron to sort of the public stage. And um, as we'll, as we'll talk, I'll talk a little bit more about my podcast uh, in my presentation. Um, I did a sub-study of a sub-study and was really um, part of that larger study. And that really solidified my interest in 
the interactions between iron and malaria. And so what do we do in the parts of the world where malaria is common, iron deficiency is prevalent? I mean, these two conditions overlap in so much of the world and young children um, are certainly disproportionately affected um, and, and certainly pregnant women as well. Um, and, and the answer for, for how do we control malaria can't, can't be, you know, let the kids be, remain iron deficient. So how do we safely and effectively treat iron deficiency in, in the face of malaria and other infections? And so um, I went to CDC right after my graduate program, and I really thought I wanted to do sort of health policy and government policy. And I worked with the CDC's um, International Micronutrient Malnutrition Prevention and Control Group, or the IMPACT program. And it was really an interesting time to work with them um, because the PEMBA study results finding more serious adverse events in, in children who received iron um, was, had really turned so many of the partners that CDC worked with sort of on their heads. It's like, wow, you know, with WHO and, and um, you know, micronutrient um, uh, different micronutrient initiatives. What do we do about our fortification programs? What do we do, you know, and, and so that question was really um, the, the primary question for many years then in, in, in the global nutrition world. Um, so it was interesting to see how people on a policy level um, were dealing with these research questions. Um, but ultimately I decided, I was at the CDC for four years that I really wanted to be asking and answering the research questions rather than guiding the policy. And so yet again, um, I was like, I don't think I wanna stay here at CDC. I think I'm gonna move on into to research, which I would have said in graduate school, I don't wanna do research, I don't wanna teach, I don't wanna do an academic, I wanna work, you know, I thought I wanted to be at CDC forever. So um, we moved to Minnesota and how I did that was pretty unconventional. And I don't know if I would recommend it to everyone, but um, I had just had my first, we had just had our first child in Atlanta. I had had my, our daughter. Um, and I was sort of struggling thinking, oh, I don't know if I want to work. I don't really care. I want to be home with her. Um, and we weren't really liking living in Atlanta. And my husband's family is from Minnesota, although we both grew up in Alabama randomly. Oh. Um, so, but his family, his mom's family was from Minnesota and he had a fond place in his heart for Minnesota and he had gone to school here and kind of, I think always secretly wanted to live here. And so <laughs> we just moved. He works for an online news source. Um, and so he could really work anywhere. Um, and I didn't have a full-time job secured at all. Um, I had made some contacts in the School of Public Health um, here at the university and um, I started as an adjunct instructor and I taught a biochemical assessment portion of the nutritional assessment class here in the School of Public Health. So I had a very instructor, small position, um, but gradually that position grew here. Um, as my family grew, I subsequently had <laughs> two more, I have two of more, I have son, two sons um, as well as my daughter. So I have three kids. Um, and so just as I made more connections at the university, and then there was a, a big NIH and Gates Foundation grant announcement for iron and malaria research. And so I was able to partner with a malaria physician here um, who was in the Department of Pediatrics. 
and also another iron and brain expert, Dr. Michael Georgieff. Um, and the three of us put together a grant that ultimately got funded um, for work um, in Uganda, which was where um, Dr. Chandy John, the, the malaria pediatrician worked, had his, had his research base. Um, and so we added an iron component to his ongoing malaria research. And so I was a research associate here for, you know, a couple of years and it was actually worked pretty well because I had three young kids, I had three kids and, um, and then I became faculty in the Department of Pediatrics and assistant professor. Um, I was on the research track, but gradually I switched over to the tenure track and then just this past um, June was tenured and um, all along, I, I just, I, you know, so my pediatrician I was working with actually went to a different university and I just continued with the research program that that I had started um, and the relationships I ha had with people in Uganda to, to gradually start my own work um, in Uganda with that same base that I got introduced to as a research associate with, with his larger projects. Um, and so I was really fortunate to have that excellent study team on the ground um, that I was, I've been able to work with really since 2010. Um, and so that's, that's been a, a, a real plot. Uh, I couldn't do the research I do without that. Um, and so I would, I slowly got, you know, you get your own funding, you get your own smaller grants, you build up, you partner with people and then, you know, you get NIH grants that are smaller and then you get, you know, R01. Um, so I've been doing research in, in iron and malaria area and child health and neurobehavioral development with, with Michael Georgieff's help. Um, been looking at that more as an outcome to different iron interventions, because ultimately that's what we care about after immediate morbidity and mortality. We care about brain development. Um, and so I love my job. I mean, I love what I do every day. And I think that if, if you're able to um, to know what you don't want to do. And you don't always know that at first, don't be afraid to do stuff to see if you don't like it. Cause you're never trapped, right? You can always back out. Um, and I just kept choosing stuff that was interesting to me. I mean, starting with that choice to, to do the human nutrition track, that was a little mm -hmm. bit, you know, maybe a little bit, um, off the cuff, but I do that a lot. I found it's like, what is most interesting to me? What do I think I'd like to do? And, and um, so sometimes I guess to that extent, there's not always a lot of planning. <laughs> I think there hasn't been in, in my career trajectory. Um, so I, I guess, you know, a piece of advice would be don't get, don't be too rigid about it, about what you think you want to do at the beginning, because mm -hmm. you'll never know what opportunities will present themselves, what changes you'll see in yourself as you do different things, which you thought you wanted to do. I mean, I thought I wanted to be a pediatrician. That was my rigid track, you know, and wow, that was a long time ago. And I've come, you know, I don't think anybody really like grows up thinking I want to be a global nutrition researcher, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, you know, sometimes the trajectory is your trajectory is not like anybody else's. So I think a lot of times that's the case. Um, so I think just, you know, not be, never be afraid. You're never going to make a wrong decision. You know, you're just going to make different decisions and, and see where you go. And you're never, you're never stuck. You can always make a different decision. Well, that is really wow, fascinating. That... Yeah. And that's where I am. So I have ended up here. <laughs> Congratulations on, on uh, 
the associate professor they're being um, oh thanks awesome. thank you yeah <laughs> And also very, very inspiring for everyone on yeah, this no, side, you know, like <laughs> still going through the steps of like figuring out and, and making decisions. Oh, um, and actually, yeah. I think I just, I would all, if I could go back and change myself as a student, I would, and even to this day, I wouldn't have been scared or it's always thinking I should be doing something else. I need to be doing this. Oh, I need to be doing that. No, you're doing your own thing. And that's great. Yeah. Thank you. Everyone listen to that. <laughs> and so can you, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about what you do, like in terms of your research and also handling or managing being, doing research in Uganda, but also being at the university and, and you know, computing priorities, et cetera. And so maybe give us a little bit of a taste of, or a view of how it is a normal day uh, in your oh, life. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. So very briefly, my work focuses on iron and malaria and how to best improve iron status in malaria endemic areas. And my research base where I have currently two studies um, is in Kampala, Uganda. And so um, that that's my main research base. And then at the university, I also teach. Um, I'm part of the nutrition graduate faculty and also part of the epidemiology graduate faculty. And I have an, an, another appointment in the School of Public Health in the Division of Epidemiology and Community Health. So with all those hats, I, I advise a lot of students and I also teach a global nutrition master's level course. And I was teaching nutritional assessment, biochemical assessment for a while to, to graduate students, but I no longer teach that. Um, and I've just taken on this year um, an undergraduate course in global health that has 150 students in it. So that's been, that's been fun. Um, but a normal day for me is actually can be kind of varied. It depends on what's going on. And so um, if I'm in the middle of, of, you know, putting a grant proposal together, writing a paper, there is often a lot of writing in a day. Um, so trying to keep on top of that, um, and setting aside some time as much as I can to, to work on papers and grants. And that's the sort of thing that sort of propels you forward that that's been hard in COVID to be honest, because there've been kids at home during distance learning and other, other factors playing into that, that makes it hard to do that sort of self-directed important work. Um, so I'll do that. And then I have weekly conference calls with each of my study teams. So I'm often talking, even before this meeting this morning, I had um, a talk with my one of my study teams. And so I'm often talking to people on the ground and doing that sort of thing. Um, advising students is another thing. I talk to students pretty frequently, um, guiding you know thesis research or other projects. IRB application, sort of the, some of the administrative part around my research that I, I is just part of the job you have to do in, in data analysis when it's exciting that data comes in and you get to analyze it. So um, I like to do all of those things. Yeah. And I like part of my, one of my favorite parts of doing the job I do is not only the subject matter, but having control over my time. So I can decide, okay, this day, I feel like I need to write, I'm going to write today. And if I need to break to go to my kids' concert at 2 p.m., I can go do that. And then I come back and I, I can control, I'll get the work done. I just like to be able to do it with freedom of, of time, so. Thank you so much for that. That's really interesting to see uh, because 
you never know what like and as a graduate student you doesn't you don't know how like the other side looks like so this is very interesting <laughs> and we were wondering if you had any last words of wisdom for graduate students i want to maybe maybe they're not sure yet if they want to do academia or something else or they want to do academia and they, that's what they know or um yeah any advice yeah i think i would just reiterate what i had already touched on which is um don't be scared there's no real place for fear um to, to be confident, you know, you're well-trained, you, you know what you know, and to choose, and there are going to be lots of opportunities. So choose an opportunity, start with an opportunity that you find interesting um, and go for it. It doesn't have to be the perfect opportunity. Don't wait for, I mean, there is no perfect, right? Um, and so, you know, don't be afraid to, to try something and find out you don't like it because that's really important to know too. Um, as you end up in your ultimate, you know, job that you want to stay in. Um, so it's important to know what you don't want to do is what you do enjoy. Um, and I think if I could go back to, I would have said to myself, you know, take some time to enjoy where you are right now, we, you know, learn as much as you can try to take some of the pressure off yourself. Um, because I remember, you know, you're super busy, you're stressed, you're doing so many things. Um, but it's also a really nice time in terms of um, just being able to learn and being open and having a million opportunities. Um, so, and, and try to enjoy the time to some extent. So, yeah. And take time to do other stuff while you're doing it too, <laughs> or you'll burn out. Noted. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we are almost, almost out of time, but we like to close the, the podcast with like two lighter questions so these are what are the worst and best things of your of your job of your day-to-day uh the worst things of my day-to-day two things come to mind one i've dealt with both that today already even um one in teaching and one in in research and teaching is always difficult to deal with um plagiarizing students <laughs> so sometimes having to you know that is not fun for a professor to have to deal with so there can be well, I like teaching and there are some really great parts of teaching. Sometimes there's some more difficult parts of teaching that you kind of have to play bad cop, which is not always easy to do. Um, and then in terms of research, I, I had um, an email this morning saying that one of the reagents for one of the machines um, that we use quite regularly in Uganda is being discontinued. And so <laughs> I'm like, wow, it's one of our screening machines. And I'm like, oh no. So scramble, scramble. And it looks like it's just being discontinued from the distributor we're using and not being discontinued permanently. So we're just going to have to shift distributors. So that was a relief when I found that out. But um, those sort of research surprises, which always come. Um, and I'm, I'm learning finally not to, to meet them with like, total stress ball reaction because you know you'll get through it you know it will be resolved the sum comes up tomorrow um but they're still not pleasant to get those to get those research big research problem emails yeah so those are the worst parts all right and and the and the best what would be like uh the best parts for sure for me are being in uganda and working with the team and seeing some of the research participants seeing the, the stuff that you wrote, you know, the grants that you wrote and the, the ideas that you had and how it's ultimately translated into the field. And there are a lot of changes, iterations to what you write, you know, when it actually hits the field. But just being able to see that um, going into place is really rewarding. And 
making relationships with the people in Uganda. I mean, they are some of, I mean, they're my family. Uganda is my second home. And so I've known a lot of the people there for in the research group for 10 years. Some are, some are new, um, but they're all wonderful to work with. And so that was one of the hardest parts of COVID was that I couldn't go to Uganda. I usually go three or four times a year. And I, I hadn't been for 18 months until this past September. And it was, it was awesome to, to go and to, to be sort of back with that again. So that's, that's my favorite part of my job is, is going over there. Yeah. Cause it kind of brings together all of what you do. All right. Ah, that was awesome. Yeah. And well, I think we're, we're at the end uh, of our recording for today. So thank you so very much, Dr. Cusick for being with us today. Yeah. And we love learning from everything you're doing, planning to do, and we're taking notes of all the world, all those <laughs> words of wisdom. Awesome. Thank you so much. And, and good luck with everything. I'm sure you're both doing great. <laughs> thank you. And to our, to our audience, thank you for listening. Uh, stay tuned for the next episode with brilliant people that will come talking to us. And of course, many thanks to Elena Kerki for audio edits and our theme music.